In this edition of Locked On Capitals, the trade deadline is looming. What do the Capitals need to address? Let's talk about that next on this edition of Locked On Capitals. Your Locked On Capitals, your daily podcast on the Washington Capitals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello and welcome into this edition of Locked On Capitals. I'm so glad you decided to join me today. As always, this podcast is free and available on all the major platforms. And I want to thank you for making this your first listen or view of the day. Yes, this podcast is also available in video form, so head on over to YouTube and check it out. And when you're on YouTube, make sure and hit that subscribe button. And if you like the videos, give it a thumbs up or leave some comments. It really helps grow the channel. My name is Dan Holmey. You can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. So in this edition of Locked On Capitals, we will talk about what moves do the Caps have to make before the trade deadline. With Ovechkin getting injured and players being in and out of the lineup, it is kind of hard to determine at points where is the biggest point of need on this team. I'll talk about where I think the Capitals need to solidify things. Then later in the show, we will talk about Bruce Boudreau. Yes, I would be a bit remiss if I didn't mention Bruce Boudreau and how I think he was raked over the Colts by the Vancouver Canucks. But just to get it going here, We're going to talk about what T.J. Oshie's thoughts were on the Caps' last game. So suffice it to say, the last game the Caps played the Vegas Golden Knights was a bit of an anomaly. And it has been at T-Mobile Arena for some time. I don't know what it is. Again, like I talked about in the last podcast, I think the Ghosts, of the Stanley Cup in 2018 still linger. I understand the Capitals won the Stanley Cup there, but there is a certain energy in that building that I think will always, uh, you know, kind of hang over the Washington Capitals. Um, And you could kind of see it. It was a bit of a one-off, I got to say. And, you know, some people would point the Caps didn't play that great because Alex Ovechkin wasn't in the lineup. And, of course, I would agree to that in part. Um, But, you know... He didn't, you know, he didn't allow all the goals in. So Darcy Kemper and Charlie Lindgren weren't totally dialed in, but it's not just their fault either. The defense and the play in general was poor. There were sloppy zone entries. They were coughing up the pucks, those kind of things. Alex Ovechkin could not have fixed all those problems that were in the last game. So ultimately, where do the problems emanate from? And T.J. Oshie, who is a vocal person on the team, a guy that's been here for some time, uh, kind of shed some light on to what he thinks was going on there. The alternate captain who scored one of the Capitals' two goals was disappointed with the team's effort from start to finish as mistakes, sloppy play, and a lack of attention to detail eventually led to a 5 to nothing deficit that took turned in a 6-2 to two, uh, defeat when all was said and done, writes Washington Hockey Now. Again, they came off a huge win over the Coyotes. And, you know, oftentimes people will say it was the Coyotes. Of course it was an easy win. That Coyotes team is still hungry, and they are an NHL team with NHL players that want to prove 
uh, to everyone what that, you know, they're going to take on the best. You know, it's not like the Caps were taking on a beer league team. They they took on the Coyotes and it was a tough game. You know, I know that the, the Capitals beat them quite handily, but to fall flat on your face in the next game, it kind of just draws into question a lot of things. There is a certain energy in the building in Las Vegas there. And I do think that, you know, that's part of it. There's a lot of, you know, history for the Caps in that particular uh, building as well. Mentally, we were not sharp at all. We play a good team. That's what happens when you're mentally not sharp, Oshie said. It can be nights that maybe your legs aren't going, you're not getting bounces, but if you're still mentally sharp on those days, you're still playing within our system. You're playing the correct way. You're not turning pucks over. We weren't doing any of those things tonight. And it was a team that was just rattled. You could see out there that they were not totally dialed in. For Nick Backstrom to want to drop the gloves and fight someone, you could tell that the Capitals were rattled, suffices to say, and that was evident as Tom Wilson as the sheriff kind of had to roll over and break things up. The last thing that we want at this point is for Nick Backstrom to get in a fight. He's coming back from that hip resurfacing procedure. We don't need Nick Backstrom to be a tough guy. We need him to be a playmaker out there. So it was a rough game, suffices to say. In addition, Oshie started, shared an ugly truth as he believes there was a lack of interest in the game for Washington, who dropped 0-4-1 in its regular season games at T-Mobile Arena. And you know, this is something that you hear in all of sports, that certain teams and certain players excel under certain situations. But for me, it's a bit of an anomaly. Why would the Capitals have a hard time playing at T-Mobile Arena, other than the reasons that I listed off the top of the show, that there's a long history of the Caps playing there and a struggle for them to win a Stanley Cup. But it's not just even an arena. Oftentimes you hear players that play better against certain goalies or quarterbacks that play better against certain teams. So it's a true thing throughout all of sport. The question is, is why? And why weren't the uh, Caps dialed in? Again, you know, everyone is going to point to Alex Ovechkin not being in the lineup. And, you know, he, again, he can't save everyone. He can't put on the goalie pads and get in net there. There was just problems galore in that game. And the Caps don't have a lot of time to figure it out as they take on the Avalanche. They have a bit of a rough schedule uh, going forward. And these are some key games coming up to the All-Star break. And then after that, the trade deadline, the Caps made such great progress in the month of December that they don't want to you know, revert back to what they were in October and November. And I don't want to get, you know, carried away here and say that's the case. It was just one game. But uh, again, it was quite a statement loss. I talk often talk about uh, statement wins on this show. That was a statement loss. And the Caps really have to find a way to shore that up. That's probably the worst we've played in. I can't remember how disinterested we've looked like we were tonight, Oshie said bluntly. So bury it and go away. Um, so, you know, just a tough game with all the things. And, you know, like I talked about, oftentimes people want to point, point to Ovechkin and, you know, his impact. And, you know, giving credit where credit's due, of course, uh, uh, Alex Ovechkin does play. He has a great impact on this team. But Oshie says, with O not playing, usually you lose a guy like that. It's kind of next man up. Everyone has to pull a little bit harder on the rope. And that wasn't the case tonight. And, you know, interesting moves by Peter Laviolette and just the Capitals in general. Why would you put Anthony Mantha, a guy that has been a healthy scratch for the last several games, and not only put him into the lineup for one, 
but to put him on the top line in Alex Ovechkin's spot, mind blown. I can't believe it. I do think, you know, normally I have Peter Laviolette's back and I agree with most of the decisions that he makes, but for to put Anthony Mantha on the top line in Ovechkin's spot seems a bit questionable, if you ask me. And his reason or rationale behind it was that he didn't want to shake up the lineup too much. I do think, as a matter of fact, that if Ovi, for whatever reason, is not good to go uh, as they play the Avalanche, I do not think you will see Mantha slot in on the top line. I am recording this on Monday morning, so... Some things could transpire between now uh, and the and, and tomorrow. And if they are, I will have updates for you. But as of right now, that is the latest, is that Ovi is out of the lineup right now. Right now, the Caps are 25, 18, and 6, and still sit one point out of third in the Metro, but they are just three points ahead of the Penguins for the second wild card spot in Florida. Uh, the Panthers and New York Islanders are just five points behind. And, you know, kind of an interesting thing, and I know that the Panthers and the Islanders have struggled this season. What if one of them goes on a tear? You know, what if all of a sudden the Islanders who, you know, uh, the rumor mill out there is that Lane Lambert, you know, this is, he already might get the ax out there. You know, just, it's interesting to see how the the coaching carousel and how quickly things like that change that, uh, you know, Lane Lambert, his job might be in jeopardy soon. And then, of course, the, um, the uh, uh, Panthers out there playing under the tutelage of Paul Maurice. Um, so it's interesting if one of those teams catches fire and the Capitals, for whatever reason, you know, slip and say this turns into a losing streak, it could kind of change the dynamic for everything for the Caps. The great December could get washed away. And again, I don't want to get ahead of myself and say that is going to be the case, but the Capitals have to be cognizant of the fact of where they're at right now. Be aware of your surroundings. Keep your head on a swivel. Keep your eye on the other teams in the league because some teams are getting better and some teams are getting worse, and the Capitals do not want to be one of the ones that's getting worse. I want this last game against the Golden Knights to be just kind of a blip on the radar, and then I want them to move on to the next one. And it will be a formidable opponent as they take on the Avalanche. They have one against the Maple Leafs and the Penguins. So they do have some good tests, a good measuring sticks, if you will, to see what they have, a good litmus test. Oftentimes I hear people say, well, I'm looking forward to it. The Caps have an easy schedule coming up. That's great. But if you are going to be the best of the best, if you're going to win a Stanley Cup, then you have to beat the teams that matter. And for me, the Capitals beating the Golden Knights was one of those games that show intrinsically who they are as a team. You know, we, we've seen kind of just a, a flip-flop season, you know, kind of wishy-washy at times. It's funny, the Caps got totally dialed in in the month of December. Um, even though they were m- missing Wilson and Backstrom, they still found a way to win games. It's been a little bit tougher sledding since the Caps came back with Wilson and Mantha in the lineup, kind of defying odds. I guess it has to do with the chemistry thing. And also, I suppose you could say Wilson and uh, Backstrom finding their legs underneath of them, but... That's what I want to view this as, is just a one-off. And the Caps have to regroup and move on to the next one. If you sit and dwell on former losses, or wins for that matter, that is not doing you any good. It really isn't. You just got to move on to the next game. I do think the Capitals have it within them to do it. You know, they have a pedigree of winning. They've done great things with this lineup. I have no reason to think that will not be the case going forward. All right, so after the break here, we are going to talk about the Caps. 
Where are they at and what moves do they need to make as we head towards the trade deadline? Is there a position of need? And what do I think that greatest position of need is? We'll talk about that next. NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're not, if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today and get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel dot com slash locked on that is fanduel.com slash locked on fanduel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props and guys even if you're not into gambling you could bet on an upcoming capitals game like the caps take on the avalanche it makes watching the games that much more exciting plus you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger pail with a same gay parlay all on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So, football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this next segment here, we are going to talk about the Caps. They do seem like they're going pretty good, except for this last game, playing pretty well, all things considered. If you take a look at the month of December, going pretty well. So with that in mind, what is the greatest position of need for the Caps going forward? Is there a forward they could, they could use? Is there a defenseman? Is there a goalie they could use? It's my assessment that ultimately what the Capitals are looking for is a depth defenseman. I think they're pretty good at the forward position, and if they have any struggles, they have that added depth down in Hershey, or maybe a healthy scratch, um, because ultimately the caps are up against it. They're up against, the you know, they, there's not a lot of cap space out there, so there's not a lot of flexibility. So unless they move a big piece out, they're not going to be able to bring a big piece in. So it's an interesting position for the Caps to be in right now. Um, some people oftentimes will say, well, they should move Anthony Mantha out for some big name player. What do you think the market value is for Anthony Mantha being that he's been a healthy scratch and had a questionable season? Not too great. So it's my assessment. It's my belief that if they make a move before the trade deadline, it's going to be a small move similar to a Sonny Milano or a Nicholas Abe Cubell, something with little financial impact. But if you have a good eye for it, which Brian McClellan and his crew do have, see Sonny Milano and Kubel, that is, they could make some small acquisitions or, you know, Brett Conley or Devontae Smith-Pelly before that. So there is a possibility that they could make a move of that nature that could pay great dividends. Uh, it's just, I don't see them going out and getting a Bull Horvat, an Eric Carlson, you know, fill in the blank, other guy that's, uh, you know, available on the market out there. I just don't see that being the case. And in this article in The Athletic as well, they were asked in this article, what is the Capitals' 
uh, biggest need. They said a big physical defenseman. The Caps are good in goal and flush with depth up front. If there is a weak spot, it's the lack of a big physical defenseman, a fact underscored by Tuesday's 4-2 loss to Minnesota. The Wild scored three goals on screenshots one night after the Islanders got one in similar fashion. Could a blue liner excuse me, like Montreal's Joel Edmondson be the answer? Maybe, but any discussion of adding at the deadline must come with the following caveat. If John Carlson returns as hoped, they'll need to ship out salary to add any. And that's an interesting position for the Caps to be in, as we know, uh, when Nicholas, uh, Nick Backstrom and Tom Wilson were going to come back to the money, there was that LTIR money that they were going to have to shed. So that would have meant the Caps would have had to move on from someone in some form or fashion. But in a roundabout way, it ended up being beneficial because John Carlson, which isn't beneficial, but just hear me out here. John Carlson was placed on LTIR. So that money that you know was tied up for Backstrom and Wilson got moved over to John Carlson so they didn't have to make any big moves. So the question now is that John Carlson ate up a lot of minutes when he played. He was the top blue liner of the Caps in my assessment, and I think statistically speaking. But he is placed on LTIR. So what that means is that he took that puck off the face and, you know, kind of messed him up pretty bad. There was different rumors out there that he lost an ear and all that kind of thing. His wife dispelled all of that, said that's not the case. But he did face a major injury. Uh, Taking a slap shot off the face against the Jets was definitely not what the doctor ordered. So the question remains is when does John Carlson come back? Does he come back? You know, in a couple weeks, is it a month? Is it even this season? That will change the complexion of who comes and who goes. If John Carlson is out for the entire season, if that's their belief, then they might be, you know, prone to go out and picking up a bigger player like that to solidify that. Because let's face it, Gustafson cannot play all the minutes. I know that he stepped up and played a big role, scored goals, all those kind of things. And I know they're pretty good with Jansen and Van Van Riemsdyk and Faravari and Orloff and all those guys out there. But it's still, John Carlson was the number one. So to be out your number one, you need someone else to fill that role. So... Like they talked about in that small piece there, they got worked over by the Wild. They got worked over by the Golden Knights. They need to solidify that defensive position that John Carlson left vacant in his absence. So I could see them picking up a depth piece or someone like Edmondson, like they talked about there. It's all going to come down to how long is John Carlson out for? And that's going to change things a little bit. If John Carlson comes back, I'm not going to say that they're not going to make any moves at all. They still might make moves. I just think that the move that they make is going to be that much smaller. But if he is out the rest of the season, then I think they might go for a bigger fish, if you will, and try to find a bigger name a defenseman out there. But I don't see them really doing anything at the forward position. I don't. I think they're in a pretty good position. Um They've been able to overcome a lot of adversity this season with that forward core that they've had. They've plugged and played different uh, guys from Hershey, um, see um, you know different guys that have come in there. Uh, Connor McMichael, for example, comes to mind. So I think that if there's ever a need, they will be able to fill that based on you know Alexi Protus, who's kind of been up and down there. So there are guys in the forward position that uh, could take on some roles in the forward position. So I don't see any moves on the forwards. Depth defenseman is the only thing. And of course, I don't see any moves on, at the net mining department. Darcy Camper, all in all, has played well. Same goes for Charlie Lindgren and 
The one thing I've talked about in this podcast is this Caps team has superior depth in the net minding position. So say, you know, there's an injury. They have Hunter Shepard and Zach Fucali. They have plenty of options and a myriad of other ones down the line from there. So the Caps are good in net minding. That, Caps fans, if you're looking for any moves to make between now and the deadline, depth defenseman. That's my take on it there. All right, so after the break here, we will talk about Gabby. Bruce Boudreaux, former Capitals uh, coach here, and just I don't like the way they did him in Vancouver. And let's talk a little bit more about the mismanagement of Bruce Boudreaux in Vancouver. We'll talk about that next. Our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted more energy. I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I wanted to see what the hype was about. Now, I've been taking it for several months, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to taking each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods sourced, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. Now, I personally take it because I have some young children at home, and if you have kids at home, you can probably relate to the fact that you need a little bit of a boost of energy. So, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of sugars, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. It's the one thing with the best things. It costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up on the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back into this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. In this next segment here, we are going to talk about the mismanagement of Gabby. Bruce Boudreaux, yes, a beloved former coach of the Capitals. You know, he's moved around. He's been on the Wild. He's coached the Canucks. He's he's coached a bunch of different teams. But the mismanagement of, and the way that he's been dealt is just kind of reminds me of Barry Trotz. It's sometimes... You know, they really push the cold shoulder towards the head coaches. They, you know, totally disregard feelings and how they handle things. The writing was on the wall for Gabby that he knew he was going to get fired. And what did they do? They delayed it. They made him coach, you know, several more games, even under the impression that he was going to get fired. And then he was fired. Why are you going to treat a coach like that? A team like the Vancouver Canucks should be ashamed 
Um, just, you know, overall, just deplorable. Rutherford spoke on the entire process and explained that a month ago, he and Boudreaux and general manager Patrick Elvin met to discuss the direction of the team and the concern with not everyone being on board and the team struggling. And at that point, the Canucks wanted to finish the year with Boudreaux behind the bench. However, two weeks ago, later at a follow-up meeting, Rutherford said that there wasn't any improvement that the areas that they were looking for which led to the decision to make a change, writes Washington Hockey Now. You know, that's the thing, is do you think, if you're fans of the NHL in general, and I know that it's primarily Caps fans, but if you are a broad NHL fan, do you think at this juncture of the season, we're past the midway point of the season, do you think changing the head coach is going to make a difference? Possible? Sure. There's just not enough runway, in my assessment, for the Canucks to, to, to really change their fortunes and to treat Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux, a guy that's beloved, a beloved coach. I mean, if you don't believe it, take a look at the videos that are out there. The Bruce, there it is, videos. They loved him in Vancouver. And I know, you know, oftentimes they say it's show business, not show happy, that it's about winning games and being a coach of a professional sports team. I get that. So you can't go based on the fact that you're loved within your community there. But he was beloved in there. And ultimately, my assessment, being a fan of the NHL in general, is that the Vancouver Canucks are struggling. There's injuries. They don't have a really solid roster, to be honest with you. That's why you always hear the Horvat and the different other players getting moved out of there. Um, just based on that, because they have a few prize pieces on that team. And the rest of the ones are not that great. So that's why they want to move on from their prime pieces uh, to try to build a future team. But with Bruce Boudreaux out, do you think that is going to change the fortunes of that team this year? I understand if they wanted to replace him next season or in the offseason, that's just kind of a part of the thing. You're in a hired-to-get-fired business when you're a head coach. I would not put any deep roots anywhere if I was a head coach just for that fact that it is a business with high turnover. What is the future of Bruce Boudreaux in the NHL as a head coach. He was emotional on the bench. It looks like he was crying, which I don't blame him for. I mean, to to have that love and that outpouring from the fan base, and then despite the fact that, you know, that could potentially be his last stop as a head coach in the NHL. You know, I'm not saying that is going to be the case. You know, I know that he was involved a little bit in the analytical side, um, you know, a, a, an analyst for the NHL network and a couple other ones, I do believe. So there is always uh, that for him to draw back on. But the one thing I noticed between him and John Tortorella, both of who got involved in the TV business on the analytic side, uh, analyst side, is that um, they seem to get bored with it. You know, Tortorella went back to being a head coach. He's the head coach of the Flyers. Same goes with Gabby. You know, he got dumped by the Minnesota Wild, got into the analyst side, and then he got into being the head coach of the Canucks. So, you know, the tough thing for me is you got to have a skin thicker than rubber to be a head coach because if I was hired and fired that many times, I don't know if I could keep doing it, to be honest with you. I don't know if I'd want to go on and be a head coach of another team after feeling, you know, facing that defeat and that frustration. It has to be a blow to the ego uh, and all of those things going forward. I do not think that Rutherford and the Canucks handled that the right way. And listening to 
Locked On NHL. And if you guys don't subscribe to it, head on over to Locked On NHL. They had the Locked On NHL host on there talking about the mismanagement there. Um, and I do believe, and that's my assessment, that they totally botched that whole thing up there going. So it, it is just a mess. Part of this process, and I will apologize to Bruce for this, is probably in my interviews over the course of the season, when people ask me a question, I'm probably too direct and too honest. So that goes to my comment about the team playing and the structure. More structure, things like that. I've done that my whole career, Rutherford said. I've tried to be honest. I've tried to answer the best I can. And sometimes that affects certain people. And in that case, it probably didn't affect him or did affect him. Excuse me. I'm sorry if it did. And I've learned from it. So I've decided that I need to, to zip it. I'm not going to talk about the team. I'm going to let Patrick and Rick talk about the team and stay away from things like that. He added that no one takes pride in this. And then it was difficult for the team to move on from a good friend in Boudreaux. And, you know, guys, this is just like if your girlfriend dumps you and says, you know, you're really a great guy, but I've got to move on. Just stop it already. Go ahead and move on. You don't need to butter me up to just let me down here. That's the same thing with Bruce Boudreaux here. Just let him move on. Don't try to say that you didn't try to hurt his feelings, that, uh, you know, all these kind of things. You, you did do it, so you need to own it, and you need to move on from it. But for God's sakes, you are a big name NHL team to mistreat a guy that like that that's been in this league for so time, a beloved guy. You talk to a Capitals fan and you ask him about Bruce Boudreaux, they're going to say, I love Gabby and I loved Gabby too. Um, you know, he didn't get the result. You know, he has, you know, a questionable postseason history. He can take teams to the playoffs, but rarely does he go much further than that. So, that's what it's about. But, you know, it's about the humanitarian part of it as well. Treating Bruce as a person at the end of the day, not like he's just some guy that you're going to flick off your shoulder there like you didn't mean anything to him. So disrespectful and deplorable of the Vancouver Canucks. I think they need to find a way to make it va make it right with him. Um, I'm not really happy the way that things went down with, ha with him. And I hope nothing but the, the best for Gabby going forward. He's a great guy. and He's a straight shooter. You know, sometimes he locked horns a bit with Alex Ovechkin when he wasn't playing the right way. You saw some four-letter words come out of Ovechkin's mouth. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, take a look at the videos online. But at the end of the day, Gabby and Ovi to this day are good friends and they, they like each other. So in any event, just, you know, I don't like the way that they handled that. And I hope that they'd start treating Gabby the right way um, because that's what you have to do. It's I understand you're, it's about winning hockey games, but if you're going to let go of someone like that, do it the right way. All right, once again, I want to thank you for joining me on this edition of Locked On Capitals, where it's your team every day. And guys, I want to hear from you. I'd love to have you on the show. Leave me your questions or comments at minutecastmedia.com at gmail.com. That's minutecastmedia at gmail.com for your opportunity to join me on this show. I have my views, my takes on the Capitals, but I want to hear from you. You could be a guest. I'll send you a Zoom link. We'll talk for like 10 minutes about the Capitals. Doesn't that sound like fun? I'd love to talk to you. So hit me up on uh, and Gmail, minutecastmedia at gmail.com, and let's talk a little Caps. I think that would be a lot of fun. So once again, thank you for joining me on this episode, and I'll talk to you again next time.